Hello, Hello and broadcasting from the beautiful Central, Central Coast, Coast of California. California. It's, it's the, the Doctor Death Danger Radio Show. It's our show, you guys. It's our show, you guys. As we talk between the intro. Well, no, I'm not going to talk. Well, I'm going to talk saying I'm not going to talk. But you know what I mean. You know what's great. You know what's popping. You played yourself, homie. You played yourself. How's it going, everyone? Welcome to the Triple D Radio Show with your boys, James and Edward, your hosts. Edward, what's good? What's on the show tonight? Hey, everybody. How you all doing? All right. So uh, we've got, I didn't really realize this till I was driving over, but we have uh, a very, very musical episode for you guys because we do have Hot or Not. And of course, provide which, by the way, James, do we have a hot or not? Yes. Okay, great. Then we've got our classic album review, which is uh, Marvin Gaye's Here, My Dear. A very, um, well, it sure was a record. It was a record. But was it the worst thing we've listened? Worst thing I've listened to? No. No. Was the worst thing you've listened to? No. No. But there's more we can go into. We that. did just listen to two Kiss records. Yeah. So obviously, listeners, there's timestamps if you ever just want to jump forward into the show. And then finally, um, per uh, per per suggestion of uh, oh yeah, me actually, uh, our main event to you is the 1979 classic. Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. Um, it sure is a film. Yeah, it was definitely a film. I can say that. It so. sure was a musical. Oh, yeah. In fact, there was no dialogue except for the narrator. There was a narrator, and then the rest was just people performing Beatles song. End yeah. of review. All right. Thank you, everyone. This is the Dr. Danger, <laughs> Danger Radio Show with their host, James Over. Have a good one. Bam, bam, wham, bam. But no. We have a full review. Timestamps if you ever want to jump into them. Yeah. And then, yeah, that's pretty much it. Um, Oh, it was my birthday a few days ago. Yeah. What'd you do for your birthday? Well, I kind of had an unofficial birthday, like, we. I call it a weekday weekend because the birthday was Tuesday, but I was scheduled to work. I don't mind working on my birthday. It's just a day, you know? So, Monday, I had a lovely steak dinner with the family at the best steakhouse that I've ever been to, at least Jocko's. <laughs> They've got the best steaks ever. And that was great. And then Tuesday was my actual birthday. Um, m- uh, Mom and dad made their, uh, for me, their best things ever, which is dad's barbecued beef, ribs, and mom's mac and cheese. And then Wednesday, I uh, hung out in, uh, hung out in town with some homies. And then uh, here we are now on a Friday, I think it is. Wait, who'd you hang out on Wednesday? Oh, um, just, just, uh, just, just a friend. Oh yeah, that friend. Oh okay, yeah, yeah. I know who you're talking about. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Yeah, but then, uh, but yeah, no. It's, so it's been it's been pretty all right. It's been pretty all right. How's your week been? Well, you told me a bit about your week. Yeah, I'm not gonna. There's not much else. I'm not. There's nothing special to actually note this week. I want to say podcast story, uh, podcast story wise. So sorry, I'm a little bit on a. I'm on a lame Jane, plain Jane this week. So I'm not gonna like I said. There's nothing for me to say. Nothing too exciting. 
if I did go into it, it's honestly just a bunch of like boring dialogue, which if you want me to, I can say, I could talk about it. I can put <laughs> you to sleep here at the Triple D radio show. We are ASMR spinoff. Yes. We put you to sleep with, uh, as I tell you about my week and all the technical shit I had to deal with uh, working with computers and stuff. But no, I'm not going to do that. It'd be hilarious. Nothing too spicy. It's mostly this. It's mostly the week's just been just kind of hanging out, preparing for later on in the month or so. That's what I was going to say. You know, it's uh, middle of August almost. And you know what that means? It's almost Christmas. It's almost Christmas. It's almost these damn college college kids that actually come back in town so I can actually yeah. do some Uber Eats instead of doing Instacart shit. Yeah. Free and, well, I've got to the point where I'm kind of mastering it. Like I'm doing pretty good at Instacart where it's not too much of a bitch, but I would rather do Uber Eats if I could, if you ask me. So I'm like, all right, waiting for them to count down. Mostly I got a show next, like the next weekend I got a jam. That well, I'm jamming, preparing for that, and then also get like try to like financially set myself up to also go for a trip at the beginning of next month for good friend Bone Steel's housewarming party. The only other thing I think of, which you know we can't really talk about, but a little tease for y'all, uh, we do have set in stone uh, what we're doing for the hundredth episode. Yeah, it's gonna be fucking packed. Oh, it's might take be a, it might it might take us a minute to actually like like get ready like do that show so it could be a a week hopefully not two weeks of yeah. like no episodes sorry edward's mom yeah <laughs> sorry if that sorry you could go you look you live with a good host edward you can complain that to him that's true she 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 will all right uh fuck dude want to just get into it yeah let's hop into it let's bring up hot or not yep All right. Really hot. Yeah. Awesome. Let me get the record button for the channel. All right. All right. Good friend Jake. What's good? Okay. I'm not sure how bad the wind is. Anyways, this song comes well, with a little story wind. time. Uh, and it has my nothing ears. to do with the song. Anyways, long story short or long. Uh, recently, I've been sharing some clips of a song I put out last year called Y2K. Now, it's interesting because, you know, by posting new clips, you're obviously getting new listeners. And I got a lot of good feedback on it, blah, blah, blah. Uh But I noticed, you know, I've been getting some hate comments, particularly from one individual who I don't even know. And (laughs) usually because I have self-respect and don't bother with that. I love reading hate comments because usually there's more effort put into them than the people that actually dig your stuff. You know, (laughs) by sidetrack for a second, I remember putting out my first EP and we had this big ass write up by some like German metal blog that no one fucking reads. And I Bomb swear to you, they, is, it was like a thousand count word, like song by song breakdown about how shitty it was. And, you know, just, yeah, it is a whole thing. Anyways, fast forward, I've been putting out clips. And I got this one. This is a three minute voice clip. Fucking. I didn't even know Rando you could share that. Like, oh, bro, what kind of trash is this? And I'm like, fucking song dog called Y2K and he's like fucking trash bro I'm like shut the fuck up you cock face motherfucker one uh, it's one of my more unique tracks because it's a fucking Don't. it has rap hip hop verses and like an 80 synth chorus <laughs> so it. he's I'd say it it's hard. one of the more unique risky songs I've ever done on top of that I'm like 
if you're gonna hate on something, like, you know, put some more effort into it. Don't just be like a little <laughs> bitch fucking uh, with, you're like, oh, it's trash, but how about, how about some And I was defending the segment earlier to my mom. You know, She's throw like, how come Hot or Not's not good anymore? Like, put in the effort. But usually, you know, you don't get that from when was it critics good? because they can't write songs themselves. I think we peaked so when he sent us the kid. Not rock only are song, they not creative in their own life, route, and then the Avril Lavigne song the next week express themselves creatively either. Long story short, even I got messages from Tori, who I don't know, like liked any of my stuff, like you know, digging the track and Mario and a few others like within the group. So, where does this song come? In that I just sent uh, it doesn't really have anything to do with any of that just a matter of when I put out Y2K I remember a lot of people comparing my writing style to this guy who is a completely different genre and everything but he does a lot of the synth types stuff if you guys so they're like James's give it a listen right now so I did and I dig him and I've been listening to him ever since so you guys can check out the track and uh, there's your story time and fuck that guy thank you Jake <laughs> That was literally three minutes for just of nothing. Told it was like then you gave us the last ten seconds. Oh, here's the reason why I picked the artist. Supposedly I get comparisons to him. That was the best. You took three minutes to fucking get to that. What the fuck? If anyone's ever curious about what what good friend Bone Seal's like in real life, like that's that's a good representation because you know what? he put himself over. He buried someone that hated his music. He whined, which he's he's not half bad. He at. definitely whined a lot. And again, he put himself over. He, he the hot or not this week is literally like. So this song uh, came out around the same time that I put out Y two K, and people said I sounded like this guy. Whatever. And then it's like, okay, that okay, we went somewhere. Whatever. I'm gonna pull it up. The artist is called Desert Star, and the song is called Carissa. Now we gotta wait for it to actually load up. Carissa. Yes. And now it's playing. There we go. Okay. Let me look up Desert Star. Well, he has more effects than Bone Steels. A I can lot say that. More. All right. Desert Star began in 2018 after a happy accident in a Korean karaoke bar, followed by a move to Las Vegas where Jamie Elliott rediscovered his love for 80s music. Combining this influence with his own electronic production, his first single. Or first release, sorry, Ocean Eyes quickly accumulated over 4 million streams after landing at the top of the sought-after Mint playlist on Spotify. Damn. Interesting trajectory. That is a... Uh, fucking gnarly. Yeah, there's nothing related to this to Boat Steel. Who would say that? This sounds nothing like... You know what? This could almost I could if if someone had said this on Bloom for You I could have been like all right no. fine whatever because this doesn't sound like Y2K Y2K was like what a pop punk song I haven't heard it since it came out so yeah I know <laughs> what kind of friend of you listen to the boat steel oh I listened to his music I just I don't sound like you did I t just said I did when it came out oh when it came out. When's the last time you listened to Y2K? I don't want to listen to fucking Y2K. That, no, that's my point. Oh, I can tell you I don't want to listen to it. No, not do you want to. I said, when's the last time you did? I ain't, I ain't going to tell. I don't fucking know because okay. I didn't want to listen to it. 
after I listen to it. That's not like a kick on his music personally. It's like, okay, I'll as a friend, I'll check it out. But I'm not gonna care for it. It's okay. I think I was on the music video, helping out on the music video for Y2K2. So I most likely heard this fucking song on repeat. Oh, you did help that one, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I hope I'm on, I hope good friend Bone still on a lot of music videos. So I think he's forgotten. Well, it's more like I most likely heard these songs a bunch of fucking times. Oh, it's all right. In a fucking day span. That song was alright. I don't know if it's hot, but it was like yeah, a good song. Yeah, it's not a hot. It was boring. Nah. It um It was like it, cool. It was You it, know what I will say? I liked the I like the synths. I like how they sounded. I like how the music sounded. It just wasn't very interesting. Yeah, no, it wasn't interesting. It sounded big, but it was just like it was just kind of just like a slow it was a slow burner of a song. Some people like the slow burner. They wanna just like, you know, that sounds like a dreamy way song, but I'm like, no, I need some action. God damn it. <laughs> and I'm gonna give it a knot because I don't care. It was made me go, I'd rather go listen to something else. I want a little bit more feistier cheese. I think I want that fucking garbage 80s fucking 80s fucking worship. Not that nice. That sounds too <laughs> modern. Well, I, th- I think maybe I could be wrong. I think maybe the three minutes of bone bitching uh, may have uh, soured you on the song a bit. In what sense? I don't know. I was just kidding. I'm just saying, well, let's go listen to Y2K. How's this? Oh, Wait, no, we don't have. Oh, fuck. Yeah, we're going to play Bone gonna- Steel Running. Yeah, I don't see the say. I don't know. Maybe I should look up more on Desert Star. No. If anything, this sounds like uh, the way those synths are in the background. This sounds like um, what do you call it? This sounds like a Bring Me the Horizon rip, or like he took inspiration from it. I can hear this sounding like the old Desert Star. Okay. He remembers your face. No, James. I'm not listening to this. I'm sorry. So, so Y2K, is it hot or not? Here, you know what? Check out Desert Star's Ocean Eyes. Okay. What's this shit? Ocean Man. This sounds like generic background music you hear on YouTube. Yeah, there you go. That's Desert Eyes. <laughs> not impressed. Yeah, I'm sorry. That's just uh, not for me. Okay. Maybe he's got great vocal hooks. Maybe that was a lovely voice of his. I'm sorry, not my style of nice 80s voice. worship. Sorry, I like more cheesy 80s worship like tunes. So, yeah. not happening for me. All right then. I guess we can just roll into the CAR. What did we listen to this week? We listened to uh Marvin Gaye's Hear My Dear, which um I forgot I had it uh I had it pulled up here. I was gonna be because I couldn't remember when it came out. But um so about this record, okay. So we previewed if you guys were here last week, we previewed a little bit of this album and we were like, damn, that sounds bad. Let's listen to it. Um, as the uh, book mentioned, the thousand and one albums you need to hear before you die. Um, this album was made during a, let's just say, super bummer period of Marvin's life. So with that in mind, the uh, so with that in mind, I went into this record. I'm like, okay, this has potential, right, of being like the underdog record or like the artsy passion project kind of thing you know because when you think of marvin gay right you know you think about him singing about good times and sex so i'm like okay this is gonna be the- well i can tell you with this record it was the opposite of good times 
and yeah, I'm sure there was sex, but it wasn't good times. Bit. It's mostly a past tense. So with that being said, I th- so overall, it's all right. I don't know. It was the album was just, it was just left a weird taste in my mouth. One thing I want to point out before we get into it is um special mention I think has to go to the album cover. It's it, it's kind of a creepy looking thing because yeah, it's fucking yeah already the album cover and settles things. Because on the right side of the album cover, it's like Marvin Gaye in this like grainy black and white shot. He's like in a robe or some shit. He's looking like Moses or something. But then on the left half of the album. It, there's the famous lovers statue. I forget where it's from, and I'm just like, okay, setting the tone. Oh, because because yes, most the- album covers of Marvin Gaye are just him on the cover, sometimes with his band, but it's just him on the cover, smiling. Not this one. <laughs> no, this one definitely is like kind of an unsettling, shitty album cover that kind of goes into the record. But I don't know. Let's break down. Let's listen. Let's go listen song by song and actually, well, not actual song, but like the whole song, but let's yeah, break yeah, it down. No, of course. Let's actually start. Let's start off with the self-title, Hear My Dear, this If is, My Phone Doesn't Flip On Me. This uh, No, keep going. I was just going to say, this is the uh, song that we previewed. I guess I'll have to say. Like, this album. listen to this. Like, this already sounds like a nightmare. Like... You listen to the whole thing and like you think it's gonna go somewhere, you're like, okay, maybe it's gonna build up for a hit or a drop, but no. This is the song. The whole song. Lyrically, the song's about his divorce and how his ex uh he says this later, but also about how his ex-wife used his son to uh manipulate him. Brutal. It is brutal. It's not a good song though. It's it's bore his band is trying. The only thing I need to point out is that so he sounds all sad boy like this the whole yeah. song, right? Near the end of the song, he throws in a woo, like so half-assed. It's hilarious. Yeah, that's a five, at least. Well, here's the thing. I think the song for me, like right here, as it builds up, or does it? I thought there was like a chorus or something where he starts like going into it, and I'm like, yeah. you know what? The song's not too bad. Okay, no, I was skipping through it. I thought I had a point to prove, but I don't think the song's gonna get there. For whatever reason, yep, this is sad, but let's see if it wears me down. I didn't hate the song. I thought it was actually good. You know what? I gave it a six, but maybe I'll give it a life five. Unless this unless he starts kicking ass right now. I hope you enjoy. No, he's not. You know what? Maybe I should give it a five. Thinking of re-listens. But Coming off Kiss, yeah. This honestly, oh, I, will, I will say, you know what? This album is better than Lick It Up. Yeah, I can tell you that. All right, here's the next song. I met a little girl. That already sounds fucking creepy. And here's the thing: you don't even notice that little tran. You don't even notice the transition. No, you're just chilling, and then it's this. Then it's this song. Yeah, yeah. There's no warning. I gave this one a five out of ten. So with this one, Marvin actually sings on this one, which is nice. That actually makes the song a little better. This song lyrically is about how Marvin was a very lonely person and he thought he found his true love and was happy, and now it's all gone and he's miserable. Brutal. Much better song than the last one, though. This one I actually gave a six, just on the uh, logic of, you know what, this actually feels like a real song. Yeah. And I thought it was good. So yeah, six. At this point, I'm like, okay, the album could be redeemable. It might be, but as I said, we can keep listening on. Next song. When did you stop loving 
Is this Stop Loving Me? Yeah. It's and then right. it's, it's when did you stop loving me? When did I stop loving you? Yeah. This song is about how, in Marvin's opinion, uh, the wedding vows we said to each other were all lies and crap. And uh, how basically he'll never say them again to any woman. And how he ca- and then he casually mentions that when he divorced his wife, she took not only his son, but a million dollars. And I think about half of his assets. Damn. Brutal. I have no idea why this song is six minutes, but this you hear that? This song is a pretty bitchin' horn section. I was going to give it a five, but I was but I kind of got into it at the end. I thought this was another six to me. As I said, the song opens up, you know, with him saying, you know. And I'm like, <laughs> and I'm like going, all right, how many times do we have to hear him open that up for a song on this record? You know. But as the song goes on... This low-key slaps. Yeah, it does. So I give it a 6 out of 10. Same here. I'm like, you know what? The same bad. Like, you listen to this. Like, you know what? It's going to go somewhere. This isn't half bad. His band was really trying. Now then. This song called Anger. Anger. This song lyrically is about... Well, okay, you can imagine what this one's about. I just wrote down, he's mad now. He might have a thing or two to be angry about. (laughs) Oh, no. I didn't actually read the lyrics, but I have a feeling he's got a couple things that actually be fucking frustrated. He might be perturbed about a matter or three. I think he might be. So musically, um, this sounds... Musically, I thought this sounded like it should either have been in like a cheesy cop movie or like vintage 70s porn. Maybe both. It's another six to me. There's nothing offensive, and it's a ca- it's a nice casual listen. I guess the song for me, there's nothing offensive, but I thought this was just there, mm. so I gave it a five out of ten. Valid. All right, let's go into the next one. Okay. Is that enough? What's this? What'd you think of this the one? The eight minute epic. Oh my god, it's fucking eight minutes. I I love the uh, opening synth there. It sounded like if space farted. That, that that's not an insult. That's what that's just how I could describe it. This might be the best song on the album. Honestly, this song did it was kind of this song was pretty sick. There's a lot going on in it, as you can hear in the background. Because you gotta remember, Marvin Gaye had like a full band. We're talking like. 10 musicians or whatever on stage uh this song is about how his ex uh it's a paraphrase but basically he's saying how his ex was a greedy little bitch um damn i feel like there's a common theme on this record yeah no this song's uh this song's cool then the in the last like two or three minutes of this song is just kind of like an instrumental jam and um yeah it uh it's just really cool well here's the thing for me i wrote down i'm like bruh this is the three six mafia Memphis rap beat with the like the drums going. Is it actually? If you go listen like like a lot of those Memphis rappers, it's kind of like this kind of style. Like it's like this kind of style beat. Huh. So I was like, lol, I'll give it a six out of ten, or I give it a six 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 out of ten because three six mafia reference. I uh, I I'm gonna be honest with you. I gave this a low seven. Here's the thing. I really vibe. Like once the sax hits. Yeah yeah yeah. Like once the sax starts hitting around the end, it's definitely a vibe. Let me fast forward. I think this is the... Yeah, here we go. Shit's good, dog. Yeah, no. This song... Yeah, no. This song's pretty sick. Definitely might be the best song on the record. Yeah, for me, it's... Yeah, this was the best song. All right, what's the next one? Everybody Needs Love. Uh, Isn't it... Didn't we preview this one, too? I thought... No, I thought we previewed something else, but either way. Okay, so this is exactly oh, how I wrote it. Fucking damn it. What? 
No, no, just keep okay. going. Okay, so my exact notes for this song were, this song is bleh. This song, this feels like a generic Marvin Gaye song, yeah. except it's being written, except it's written by Marvin Gaye. Um, like legit, I thought this was song, like musically, I thought the song sounded almost just like song one. It's not great. Oh yeah, no, I had to make sure if this wasn't the first song either. <laughs> I wrote that down. Five, bro. We Wait. went from a seven to a five for me. Oh no, I feel, I wrote down like, it was just like, I thought this, yeah, I thought it wasn't the first, I thought it was like, I had to make sure it wasn't the first song. Kind of was there, but supposedly I wrote down it goes somewhere though. I don't remember really going anywhere too much, but hey, well, maybe you're right. Thing. Hey, look, I can always fast forward. Yeah. Good percussion. You know, I don't know what the fuck I was on. <laughs> I seriously don't know. Maybe I might have been fucking like shuffling. Either way, here, time to get it together. So, <laughs> time to get it together. I wrote here, more like time to turn off the record, am I right? Uh-huh. No, nah, the song isn't awful, but it's not much of anything. I wrote here, uh, yeah, we officially peaked. We are in the valley, and the record's only half over. Another five for me. I didn't vibe. Well, hey, what's up? what number song are we on? Seven. I got busy sending an email, and I so spaced on this one. <laughs> What'd you give this one? I gave it a five. Sure, I'll give that one a five. Okay. I'll give it a five, too. Sounds like a five. Just sounds like it's just there. But now, the song's called Sparrow. The six-minute epic. Okay, we just went through a seven and an eight-minute well, yeah, epic, I so. I, just, yeah. I don't know. I feel like it's more of, like, a mid. Yeah. Okay, what do you think about this one? Because I don't have a lot of really notes. I, I was, my opinion of the song was, it's there. I just wrote down, this has a screeching sax of sadness. That's all I got from this song. And I gave it a 5 out of 10. I gave it a 5 too. My notes were, uh, it's there. 5 I guess, IDK. Alright, well, let's bring up Anna's Sorry, song. Sir. So, so the opening words of this are yeah. This is Anna's song. This is Anna's song. Thank you, Marvin. I want to point something out, by the way. His ex-wife's name that divorced him, her name was Anna. Oh. So the song's kind of boring, right? And mm -hmm. it's at this point I feel the need to point out this was Marvin Gaye's fifteenth album, and it really feels like it in some parts. Damn, <laughs> fucking damn. It's another five. Uh, the the album kind of lost me here. Maybe, maybe did you find any redeeming qualities? No, there? I wrote down Anna's song as straight boring. <laughs> I, I was like a light five out of ten, but it kept on going. So four out of ten because it started pissing me off. And then the album decides to troll us. Oh yeah, because track ten. Um, yeah. Love it. It's like wait, what the fuck? Didn't we hear this already? Yeah. They repeated the same song on purpose, but this one is has the subtitle instrumental, but you can clearly hear Marvin Gaye. What the fuck? I, I don't know why they decided to do this. I gave it a, I wrote here, this gets a fuck you for. Really? Here's the thing. When did you stop loving me sound like a reason why their relationship tanked? Yeah. But the sax laying it down is a light 6 out of 10. Holy fuck, though. The song does drag. Yeah. 
It's five if minutes, like, it feels if, like eight. If you like the sax, you're gonna enjoy the song. But if you have to listen to a whole record and you gotta deal with this song, it's a very tough song and to actually judge. This is the tenth song. Oh my god. And here's the thing this record's over an hour. 70 like four minutes, yeah. Alright, what's the next one? Oh my god, this one. Funky Space I, I, Reincarnation. Yeah, the so, eight minute epic. Seriously, I can only see it with pulling down in the notifications on my phone so I can't see the whole title. So if he's got a <laughs> mouthful of words, I'm not going to be able to read it. But either way, thank you. Okay. So you all hear this, right? This is the whole song. Yeah. Very little variation. It's so boring. And the worst part is I found out that musically, apparently, this is just building off the... This is like a... According to the Wikipedia page, this is a musically reprise of Anger, song five. So this isn't even really fully new music. I didn't like it. What did you think? Well, you didn't even give me your score, but... I gave it another four. So I wrote down, now he's trying to get his groove back in space. And this could be better if it wasn't eight minutes long. You know, when you put it like that, get his groove back in space. That's kind of funny. Yeah. Now, if it wasn't eight minutes, it could be better. I gave it a light five out of ten. You know, actually, the lyrics for this are kind of funny. This is literally about... This is literally about... uh, Well, I'm just going to say it's about Marvin Gaye, but it's about a quote-unquote captain who flies into space and finds a hot alien babe that reminds him of his ex-wife. Damn, bro. Calm down there. Marvin Gaye, you're kind of sounding sus. All right. But either way. All right, tell me the title of this one. You can leave, but it's going to cost you. Yeah. Did you guys know Marvin Gaye got divorced? Yeah. I just wrote down we're back on Earth, and he's mad. <laughs> he's got to pay that alimony. And, like, I don't know about the song, but for it's starting to get hysteric. It was starting to get very comedy here. <laughs> Like I kind of, I kind of laughed at his suffering. You, so I gave it a light six out of ten because I, I got a chuckle. I gave it a, I gave it a five just because I'm like, you know what? It's better than the last two songs. Hey, well, you didn't care for space, bro? You can't handle space. Marvin Gaye in space. Okay, when you put it like that, that makes it sound like it should be a nine out of ten. No, <laughs> it's definitely more like a five. <laughs> but yeah, it's a five. All right, let's get into the next one. What's this one? Falling in love again. I feel like I should have said this like five songs ago. More of the damn same. Oh shit, really? I felt like this. I felt like the record kind of gave us that in the fir- the er- in the early on. I would say by about track six or seven. But here's the thing: it wasn't more the same where it was pissing me off. I don't mind this. This was good. Like this wasn't too bad. Like that now, saxophone saves this record. It in does. A lot of places. Here's the thing. I wrote down. I think he might be rebounding, maybe a little too quick. So five out of ten. I gave it a five too. See, this isn't a concept record, but this album is literally supposed to be chronologically the rise and fall of his marriage. I guess I don't know. Yeah, it's a five. I just wrote here end with like four D's. Now then, we did say saw was it song five. That was talking about the 3-6 Mafia beat being the best song on the record. We were like, yeah, that's the best song. Mm-hmm. This might be the, this ne- the last one I think could be the best song. So. Yeah. What a shit I just realized. Post. What a shit post. I just realized. Wait what? a minute. We already talked about this song. Yeah. Oh, my God. I was like, wait, what song? Wait. 
When was the first time it was when you stopped loving me? The first time it showed up was song three, came back for song 10, and now it's here for a 40 second reprise for some fucking reason. Hey, it's kind of a fucking banger 40 second reprise though. Like this doesn't suck. Is this or kiss? I could take this fucking very angry, very sad, very mostly stressed Marvin Gaye over kiss. Shut up. Okay, when you say that, that makes me want to like give almost every song on this at least in uh, one more higher point. Because I think you're was, comparing it to Kiss. I think that was kind of helping me with the score. I was giving it a little. I was a little bit me more for the first half. I was like a little bit more kinder on it because I'm like, dude, I just got off listening to fucking Kiss, and I'm like, Kiss fucking sucks. Like they like their suck is worse than Marvin Gaye's suck. Maybe that just shows you the talent of Marvin Gaye. Hot, I wonder if that's a hot take to someone somewhere. Oh no, who fucking Kiss's worst stuff is worse than Marvin Gaye's worst stuff. Yeah, Marvin Gaye's worst is better than that. The than their worst. Yeah. <laughs> well, I could tell you out of a score. Oh, it might be better than just like mid kiss. You know what we should do? No, yeah. I'm not going to say it. Okay, I was just saying it, but it's a stupid idea. You know what we should do? We should go through both discographies, but but do like a Marvin Gaye versus Kiss in chronological order. They almost have about the same amount of albums. Yeah. I was, uh, I think I actually did write around is, is literally just me going, all right, compared to Kiss, Marvin Gaye, Emotional Worst is so much better. Yeah, like nothing came to it like a seven or eight on like this record, but Kiss sucks, bro. <laughs> I think we listened to the worst Kiss. <laughs> maybe next uh, next episode, we should listen to their best record. Well, and I, I wouldn't maybe know what the, that we could actually give them a fair comparison. I, I don't think know what their be, best record would be if we're talking. If we're talking studio, I guess Destroyer. But most people say that their best records are live record. The first one, Kiss a lot, Kiss comes alive, or whatever. Now, should I Kiss live? Okay, look at look research Kiss alive for me. Okay. Tell me how long that guy how long that guy is. By the way, I It's almost like it, it could be fair. It could be I might be fair to actually rate that. If that's the best Kiss then fine. Hell. That will like that puts Kiss in the best situation. It's live. How do they perform? How do the songs translate? Is it actually going to be sick? By the way, I should point out, I forgot to mention, out of a score of 140, mine got a 72. Okay. Yeah, that's a that's like a fifty percent. Which I guess, considering that a good is a six, I guess it's a fine record. I guess I don't know. Okay, we've so listened to worst records. We've literally listened. To I would rat. There's a. I would like if you. I feel like I would put that record over a lot of other bad records. Yeah. Okay, so this runs seventy eight minutes. But, and look at these accolades. Um, Damn it. In 2003, ranked number 159 on Rolling Stone's 500 greatest of all time. Maintained the position, but then they dropped it down to 305 in the 2020 revision. Mm. In 2006, placed number 26 on Guitar World Magazine's 100 Greatest Guitar Albums. In 2009, the same magazine placed it number three on their top 10 live albums. Soundgarden's Kim Thale Alive was the first album he ever bought You can hear their influence all over Metal and punk Scott Ian and Charlie Beninante were immediate fans of the album And loved every single song on the record And even though the record sold over 9 million Copies worldwide The RIAA only acknowledged 500,000 sold Well that wasn't interesting Whatever But here's the thing You know what 
What's actually listening to it? Kiss live. What's actually fist figure out once and for all? Does Kiss suck or do they actually rock? And I'll just say the grades now. We're looking at uh, two ten out of tens, a five out of five, a four and a half out of five, a Damn, four dude. out of a four out of five, and a B minus. Fuck, dude, this must be a fucking great record. No, that's the record that put him on the map. And I'll say this before I'll say it as I've said it once. I think I said it on one of the decline reviews, but Kiss his albums sold but their main draw was their appearance was their thing they basically invented the term shock rock as we know it i know you could attribute it to alice cooper david bowie but you know no one really mainstream didn't give a shit about kiss until the live record that's a fact (laughs) so if we don't like them after this i don't think we ever will yeah that's the only way to prove it all right i'm gonna take a piss and then we're gonna hop into the main event okay all right listeners it's time for the main event. Tell us about this. What we watched this week? We watched the 1979, which is kind of interesting because the Marvin Gaye record was from 78. Uh, Wait, what? We, yeah, the Marvin Gaye record we just listened to was no, from No, no, no. I'm like confused. It was like, we watched 1979 and the Marvin Gaye record 78. I'm like, wait, what? Oh, shit, sorry. We watched the 1979 classic, Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. Okay, is this an actual classic where people no, actually run into the theater? This bombed critically and commercially. I'm sure somewhere it might be considered How's a cult classic. How's your pops watch this? Uh, yeah, and when I told him we were going to watch it uh you know what his uh, response to that was uh, you told me he said why are you gonna watch that piece of crap because it's a piece of crap <laughs> i feel like it'd be good content it'd be interesting it might be something interesting to talk about so james you know what i love what the beatles well, i know you fucking love the beatles so i feel I went, like I've, so this movie i don't know if you you might i'm sure there's a half of it you generally love the beatles another half is just stockholm syndrome because your dad Fucking loves the Beatles. Nah, bro, I fucking love. The it's Beatles. it's in your DNA. Listen, it, yeah, like be no. You might be able you to might, equate the Stockholm Central thing to maybe the Raiders, but nah, dude, I love the Beatles. Oh, dude, your dad's about to fight you on the Raiders. You know what the funny thing is about this movie is I remember my dad telling me about this movie as a kid, and then I remember when we were in high school and Across the Universe came out. This that was actually kind of the that that movie kind of reentered my consciousness. Some people actually said that this movie was better than Across the Universe. Wait, 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 wait. What's across the universe? You need to we catch in, me up. When we were in high school, it was a similar concept. Let's use a bunch of Beatles songs to tell a story. But that one actually had like plot and dialogue. Um, it was about uh, it was about a guy named Jude and a gal named um, uh, she was named after a Beatles song. I can't remember. But yeah, and it just goes through high school, their adulthood. And yeah, it was directed by the lady that does the very famous uh, Lion King theater show. Thing. Well, how and was it was that? a really big hit. Uh, it's really artsy and weird. Not bad. It's actually quite good in some parts, but it's, you know, it's whatever. But the point I'm getting at is that incorrect. And this movie has a lot of bad Beatles covers. So I guess let's get into it. Oh, oh no. It's, you know, it's hard to do, like, you know, not anyone can just be a oh, fucking Beatle. You know, you know who, you know who loved this record? Uh, you fucking, mean movie? <clears throat> this movie. Fucking Rob Gibb, Robin Gibb of the Bee Gees. He said, He's in it. Wait, isn't he in it? He's- yeah, that was the other thing. This movie's also famous for starring the Bee Gees and Peter Frampton. Playing basically the Beatles. Before the film's release, Robin Gibb, as I have here on my screenshot, said, Kids Today... Oh, which one's Robin Gibb? I think he was... So you got the um, one with the big smile and the beard. He was you the... Yeah, the other one with the he big He was hit. the one that was not the drummer, but was not the tall brunette. 
They all had like they all had brown hair. No, I thought the other two kind of had blonde hair. Okay, did he have a beard? No, he was the clean shaven one. Okay, because he he's said, not the drummer <clears throat> that's basically balding. No, he, he's he, not the skullet lad. He did not have the skullet. I can tell you this about the Bee Gees. <laughs> They had some fucking volume in their hair. Oh, dude. Oh, my damn, bro. Anyway, in 19... 19- you get Bo Steele in the room, he's going to go, oh, my God, how'd you do that? <laughs> so, Robin Gibbs said, and keep in mind, this was in 1979. All four of them were alive still. He said, kids today don't know the Beatles as Sgt. Pepper. And when those who see our film... Wait, 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 wait. What's that statement? What's kids the context today, of that statement? Kids today don't know the Beatles is Sgt. Pepper. And he is goes, Sgt. Pepper? The Beatles is Sgt. Like the album. They don't know the album Sgt. Pepper? That's what he's saying. He's so saying, wait, but the kids know of like the music? No, he said, no, just let me finish this quote. Okay. Kids today don't know the Beatles is Sgt. Pepper. And when those who do see our film and hear us doing it, that will be the version they relate to and remember. Unfortunately, the Beatles will be secondary. You see, there's no such thing. Oh my God! You see, there's no oh. such. Th- you see, there's no such oh. thing as. You see, there's no such thing as the Beatles. They don't exist as a band and never perform Sgt. Pepper's live. In any case, when ours comes out, it will be in effect as if there's never existed. When you heard the Beatles do "Long Tall Sally" or "Roll Over Beethoven," did you care about Little Richards or um or Chuck Berry's version? This dude thought they were going to outbest the Beatles with this movie. I saw that quote because we were kicking around ideas. Obviously, the, obviously the dynamic with, uh, you know, with uh, them covering Little Richards, like, obviously that was more of like, there's a little cult. There's a there's a cultural thing with that with that going on. And also, you know, the, you know, Beatles also wrote some fucking huge ass songs, too. Yeah. That I'm sure not everyone's caring about a Little Richard song because there's other Beatles songs to care about. Yes. Like the Beatles songs didn't make a career, didn't try to make a career off a Little Richard song. No, it's not like the Beatles made a career being a fucking good band. Yeah, exactly. The so, Bee Gees, yeah. though. <laughs> they they actually were. A good, if, if you actually like the, they act, I'm going to be completely serious. They actually were a good band. I'm like, you know what? I'm not I'm not going to disagree with you that I'm sure the Bee Gees. If you like, like Abba, you'll like the Beatles. Yeah. You mean Bee Gees? That's what I said. You said the Beatles. Fuck. You might like both. Well, Either way. I'm, like, I'm not saying the Bee Gees aren't a good band. Yeah. Like they, they had big hits. I would definitely go listen to the Bee Gees. But I don't know. There's some with the Beatles that's just like a cult next level. And I'm like, okay, yeah. BGs, calm down. So, yeah, that's when I decided, you know, we're watching this movie. Oh, yeah. Were we just going to tear into this fucking goofy motherfucker? Uh, well, not into him specifically, just in this movie. I've always wanted to watch it anyway. So, okay. So this movie. Oh, son, why would you want to watch that piece of crap? Because I'll tell you why. And you've your dad's all, about to whip my ass for doing a bad impression. You've, you've heard this your whole life. I've heard it my whole life, but it bears repeating. The Beatles are the greatest band of all time, and you don't fuck around with their shit and put out a bad product. And this is a very bad product. Did you ever watch Yesterday? Uh, I never got around to it, but mm. I've, I've seen like some of the key scenes. Mm. I've wanted to. Hmm. Let's get into this one. I'm like thinking, yeah, I'm thinking for next episode. So this movie based around the music of the Beatles, which was done in the 60s, opens up in World War One. Yeah, I'm just like, wait, we open up. In a war-torn town, and then we see the Sgt. Pepper band. Yeah. I guess the Beatles ended World War One. Okay, I have a question. <laughs> they did not. <laughs> but, okay, Sgt. Pepper, was that a concept album? It was loosely, yeah. 
It was a loose concept album. Well, the uh, Paul's idea was it was mostly his thing. Was what the idea is because technically that isn't the Beatles' Sergeant Pepper. It's the band's. The idea was the band Sergeant Pepper is releasing an album called The Beatles because they donned personas. They had names. The only one anyone remembers is that Ringo was Billy Shears because you know Billy Shears. Um, but yeah, so it, the idea was it was a fictional band putting on a show, sort of. Okay. He was just ripping. Like, he was literally just the, whipping off the Beach Boys. Oh, like, I was. That's why I was like curious of what's going on. Yeah, yeah. But either way, so the so there's the, no like story. It's just here's a fictional band. That was it. It was a. It wasn't a rock opera. So either way, basically not economic. Uh, you know, not not the crippling economics of Germany ended World War One. It was yeah. the Beatles coming in and playing. There's all some this music. fighting going on, and then we meet, as per the narration, Sergeant Pepper and his Lonely Hearts Club Band. You see, they were American. You see, and this is this is what the movie says. They were America's secret weapon. They have America's secret secret weapon and help defeating the war. <laughs> they come the in first great war. They come in. They play their song. And I guess peace comes because then we cut to Sergeant Pep and the boys getting medals for of honor yep. for, and this is a quote, making music above the and beyond the call of duty. And then now, as we uh, like after, yeah, after, you know, getting their medals, we now just hop into decades because now we're in the roaring 20s. Yeah. Narrator, and then into the depression. Narrator says how the Sergeant Pepper's boys. You need to do it in the goofy uh, narrator yeah. voice. Sergeant Peppers and the boys carried. He carried his. Sergeant Pepper and the he boys. He carried their. You sound like the pe- like freaking like Pilger's Farm. The fucking Peppers. Cook- for, yeah, Pepper's Farm remembers. I forgot how his voice sounded. Pepper's Farm remembers. Anyway, he tells us how Sergeant, <laughs> Sergeant Pepper, the Sergeant Pepper Lonely Hearts Club Band, how Sergeant Pepper and the boys' music carried their hometown of Heartland. Yeah, Heartland mm. through the twenties all the way through World War Two. Keep in mind, the Beatles weren't born until at least like. Well, John was born in nineteen forty. So the other Beals were born. Paul McCartney's 80. Then so. we also get like a freaking like uh, opening credits of like a list of appearances. Yeah, we now do. I wrote down, bro, these are some strong appearances. Yeah. Because like, what we get Alice Cooper. Yeah. We get Earth, Wind and Fire. For moments. And then we also get Aerosmith. For a moment. Oh, my God. Get it? We'll get it. No. Then we see the na- that. So then we see this narrator is actually the mayor of Heart- another great war, and then yeah, <laughs> is actually the mayor of Heart Town, and he mentions that is they Heart Town or Heartland. Heartland. Sorry, he mentions they erected a statue of old uh, Sergeant Pepper to honor him. Then we see Sergeant Pepper about to play a song with his band, and he drops dead for comedy, I guess. Well, yeah, no, that's literally it. I'm just like sitting there, just like yeah, no, Sergeant Pepper and his internal band. Never mind. Homeboy's pretty well old. And yes, he dies. I'm like, yeah. Oh, my. Well, he just said there. I was like, oh, Sergeant Pepper's dead. He left behind. Where his- the fuck does the Bee Gees and Peter Frampton come in? Well, he left behind his instruments in his war medal. The medal goes to his grandson, Billy Shears. Yeah, Billy Shears, like, you know, the Beatles song. Yeah. So Billy has a jealous stepbrother named Doogie. Doogie or was it Dougie? I re- it looks like Dougie, but I swear I thought he said Doogie. Whatever, Doogie the fucking Moogie. <laughs> yeah, right. I just know when the mayor. I just know when the mayor talked about the instruments. I'm like, bro, there's foreshadowing that these are gonna get jacked <laughs> for whatever reason that the you plot. Say. Whatever the reason the plot makes like has like the fucking pro t- and the antagonists still the instruments. It's still a mystery to me. Yeah, and I watched the movie. It actually <laughs> took me a. 
Okay, to be honest, listeners, it took me a fucking good minute to actually watch this movie. Now, I was watching it during my free downtime at work to uh-huh. actually hammer it out. Holy fuck, maybe because of the buffering issues. But holy fuck, I don't know how this felt for you, this movie. Oh, it felt like it took forever because yeah. this movie is almost two hours. Yes. But even then, it was like, oh my God, I feel like this is taking forever. And yeah. I'm like, then you're like, okay, I'm worn down. Like Beatles music's good, but I need to like I need to take a tolerance break. <laughs> and it's just like, dude, this took for fucking ever. Yeah, same here. Watch, wow, this could be quicker to review this. Maybe. So yeah, so anyway, so Billy was instructed to make a new Peppers band. It was in his will or some shit. And he makes it with his Hi, th- grandson. When you get my grandson, not my son, my grandson, when you grow old. I need you to make a Sgt. Pepper band. Keep it going on. With his three childhood friends, Mark, Dave, and Bob. So, yeah, it's uh, Peter Frampton and the Bee Gees. Billy, Mark, Dave, and Bob. What a fucking lineup. <laughs> well, you're making it sound like a great lineup there. That's, and that, Billy! I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Billy, Mark, Dave, and Bob. I don't know what's... I think that might actually be worse than if we were like Edward, James, Thomas, and uh, Dylan, and Jake. Yeah. So the mayor says everyone wondered how this new band would sound. Everyone wondered. Doogie named himself manager, and he would introduce the band in his own unique way. It was twenty years ago today. So yeah, they start that song. Okay, continuity error. They don't change the lyrics at all. They keep it as the it was twenty years ago today. Sergeant Pepper taught the band to play. First off, in the movie established, this band was was. Back in war, existed in World War One, and assuming this is not present day, the seventies, that is not twenty years ago. Two, the old band members are still alive. What the fuck do they need Bee Gees and Peter Frampton for? The only one that died was Sergeant Pepper. What are you talking about, dude? The Bee Gees said that it was like people were gonna remember them as the fucking Beatles, <laughs> fucking guy. <laughs> Anyway, they do the song. It's fine. It's an all right rendition. The Bee Gees. Well, well, it's like okay. Let's be real. It's like okay. Bee Gees can sing. Yeah, I was going to say, they they actually impressed me, not because I thought they were bad, but they're like, because they sing in harmony all the time. Their melodies were really good. They did a pretty hard job recapturing some of the George, John, and Paul melodies. Yeah, the song's going to be good. It's a a fucking Beatles song, okay? So they sing the song, and then they set up the iconic transition to a little help from my friends. You know the part, Billy Shears, and outruns a very white meat Baby faced, big hair, Peter Frampton. Oh my God. If there is ever a fucking baby face, it is this pink Peter. shirt, I think, blue overalls, big fluffy hair. And here's problem. Bro, a lot here, of people have big fluffy hair. True. And There's here's, something going on with the 70s. And here's problem three. Frampton gets on, and I like him. I've seen him live, actually. This man. Shit, you have? Oh, yeah. He came to Vina Robles. Yeah. His opening act was like. Uh, yeah. Here's the thing. I, forget I was so acts. confused at first. I'm like, is it wait? Is it Peter? Is it like I was sitting there? It's like, is it Frampton or is it Clamp or is it Clapton? Clap. Yeah. Clapton. Yeah. No. Clap, I was yeah. so confused for a minute. Clapton's I, Eric. Okay, I get him most because of the I get him confused with the names. I'm like, okay, no one played in Cream. This guy does not look like he played in Cream. <laughs> I'm sure he did some, but P- I'm like, but okay, P- wait. One's the voice box and one is a uh, old slow hand. I was gonna say he was. And pl- I, ha- I was confused for a good five minutes. I'm like, okay. I need to actually look this up. Who is this? Peter Frampton. I was going to say. Not Eric Clampton. I was going to say, he probably Clapton. did some, but he doesn't. Frampton doesn't look like he did enough drugs to be in Cream. 
Yeah. Okay, so I like Frampton, but I don't know if this was the right guy to have for this movie. Because he, when he gets up there, I'm not going to say the Bee Gees were trying to emulate the Beatles, but they kind of are. When Frampton yeah. gets up there, he's Peter Frampton it. What would you think if I sang out of tune? It's like, oh, God. For the were, record, were you they ready did, to fucking fight Frampton? This tiny fucking pencil neck geek? Actually, funny enough, when we saw Frampton, there was a fight breaking out for some reason. Yeah, fist fighting at the Frampton show. I think it might have been, it was like before or after they come. <laughs> fist fight at the Frampton show. What the fuck? Oh my God. <laughs> it was either before or after they covered Black Hole Sun. Oh, what? <laughs> And then when they started, okay, what happened at the Frampton show? And then after, and then when they was like, "There's a," I feel like I might have to go to a Frampton show. And then after they did that, and they're and covering then, Soundgarden, which I don't care for Soundgarden, but why the fuck is Peter Frampton covering Soundgarden? And, and then, then why is there just a straight fist fight at the Frampton show? And then after they broke up the fight, he goes, "Calm down out there. This isn't. This is not the WWF." <laughs> it was. It was a fun show, though. So anyway, they, <laughs> that sounds like an awesome show. So I would have walked away. I'm like, bro, this would have been the best show. I got my money's worth. Oh, dude, I've only got my money's worth. It, so but. for the record, they do the whole song and there's not a lot of interesting choreography. It's just them playing. And as our friend Jake would say, fucking rocking. So the song ends and I should point out the narrator comes back telling us how they're loved by the people and casually mentions that Billy here has a girlfriend named Strawberry. Oh, yeah, Miss Strawberry. First name Strawberry, last name Fields. Like the song, you guys. Like the song, you guys. So then the boys get a telegram. Yeah, legit, a telegram. Here's the thing, because like the Dougie Shears, he gets a hold of a record company. He's showing the popularity of this band, and they want... Uh, I, am I jumping ahead? No, you're 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 good. Yeah, I'm just saying, we get like... So the plot is, oh, hey, fucking Billy Shears' brother gets him a, like a deal to meet up with a record producer to maybe sign a record deal. And then the mayor is like, I guess they're a good band because they're covering the Beatles. (laughs) No, no, no. Didn't you hear him? This was actually the precursor to yesterday. The Beatles didn't exist. I'm just saying like fucking anytime they do a movie, it's like, hey, we do songs that are done by the Beatles and now we're the fucking biggest band. Except the bad guy is in Ed Sheeran. It's Aerosmith. (laughs) Okay. Okay. You just spoiled it. How dare you? No, I didn't. So you're like, okay, well, you just sitting there. It's like, no one's going to actually watch this fucking movie. So there's a big dick Hollywood promoter, like you said, who digs their swell tunes and wants to make them real big, daddy. Well, yeah, they get a telegram. Obviously, they go on a fucking like plane and then freaking hold it. No, I'm fucking where. Well, either way, it seems like they're getting a freaking record deal. The mayor does a song number at some point at the barn. Sergeant Pepper jams and records. Well, so before yeah, that, yeah, they're like literally, we're like at a point where like they're jamming in a barn. You missed the Dougie an is entire reco- musical number, dude. I, I, you go. <laughs> I'm lost now. Where the fuck am I? So because you're like jumping into like, wait, we're getting, going to Hollywood, but doesn't fucking no. The- I just said they got a telegram from a big dick Hollywood promoter. Oh, okay. So the mayor is like, oh man, these guys are so cool. They deserve it. And then he starts imagining himself being a rock star, singing, fixing a hole. By the way, I forgot to mention the mayor's name is Kite. Like Mr. Kite. Like the Beatles song. And then, yeah. You know what you were getting into with this movie. His singing voice is weird. Imagine a mix of Stan Lee and Jimmy Durante. Like he's half talking, half sort of singing. I'm like, what the fuck is this? Leonard Cohen? It was all right, but. I thought it would be a cute little thing they do for a minute. Nah, this went on for like three. 
Oh my god, that's the thing about these musical numbers. They go on forever. Then we cut back to Sergeant Pep and the boys on the farm, like you said. Yeah, they're recording and in they, a barn. Yeah, and they launch outside in- <laughs> with like chicks around. And chicks. Because you're in a barn, there was chickens. Okay. So they launch right into, it's getting better all the time. Strawberry's actress looks absolutely lost. As uh, they're doing all this, and then they get and then they get cut off because uh, it, it was weird. They started to play, but then like the recording thing stopped working, and then they started again because comedy, I guess. But then they start again, and um, well, then this is when we get insert to our first villain. Yeah, oh, mean Mister Mustard, motherfucker, dude, fuck this guy. Maybe this guy, <sighs> this guy might, ha- this guy seemed like he had a lot of fun playing this role. But I want to shut off the movie every time he showed up. I'm like, fuck. We dude, had text that suck. said, "We had text that said, enter Mean Mister Mustard, villain, a demented real estate agent." I, first off, like the song Mean Mister Mustard. Okay, so this is where the movie gets weird. Yes, this movie is weird, but so, I was coming and going, suspecting it was going to be a weird movie. So Mean Mister Mustard's motor home is basically a weird communications I thought tank they just on said the it was inside. A, yeah, I thought it was, I thought they said it was a van. I Phil, guess we can call his fucking Mean Mustard's fucking... Well, no, his name is Mean Mr. Mustard. I'm going to call him Mr. Mustard. I can't say Mean Mr. <laughs> Mustard or me, or Mr. Mean Mustard or me, or Mr. Mustard Mean. mean or Mustard no, Mr. Mean Mr. Mr. Mustard sleeps in the park. Come on. You know All right. Okay. Do I need to put on the song and actually get it down? No, you don't. It's a short song, but no. So, yeah, in his, in his motor vehicle, uh, it's basically weird communication shit on the inside filled with robot assistant women and a computer that talks to him who yells at mustard who looks like a homeless alfred mullen to focus on business with z's and to stop being horny for strawberry fields and take over heartland wait is he horny for miss strawberry fields oh yeah i thought he was i thought he was blanking his fucking robot assistants no (laughs) and i just wrote here what the fuck so yeah, where did, I'm like, what the fuck so, is this? So homeless looking Alfred Molina asks the computer, "Why hey, do I don't need?" Say that about Alfred Molina. He deserves better than mean Mister Mustard here. <laughs> That's true. So he asks the computer who he's working for, "Why do I need to do that?" And they say, "We hate love. We hate joy. We love money." What the fuck? Mike. So instead of developing that plot line, now as the song is songing, as the song is songing, we meet the record company owner dude named B.D. Brockhurst, played by, and I'm going to read this to you in the same tone I had when I discovered this, played by Donald Pleasance. What has Donald Pleasance done? He's Dr. Loomis from uh, Halloween. Michael Myers. He trust me. Oh, he's been no, in a, I'm shocked. He was in. He was in. Uh, he was. In, I think he was in the movie adaptation of All's Quiet on the Western Front. He's been in a ass load of movies that I'm sure you've seen. And he's in Sergeant Pepper in the fucking. And yeah, he's in Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band, starring America's sweetheart Peter Frampton. <laughs> so oh, later in. So the story is showing us how he manages a very successful band named Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds. Just like the song, you guys. Okay, are you gonna be saying that every time there's a song reference? Well, his his name isn't a reference to a song. 
Are you going to say that every time we're going to introduce a character? Just like the song, you guys. Well, no, it's because they because th- I, I, they think they're clever. Oh, let's have a woman named Strawberry Field. Here's Lucy and the Diamonds. Like, you're so fucking clever. Dude, uh, at this point, if you're going to like scream in my ear, that it's like, just like the song, you guys, I'm going to start making a drinking game out of it so then not Don- gonna lie anyway so the whole so that so we introduced the villain and then, and then donald pleasant's max on four chicks at once on a spinning couch yeah well i guess i just thought it was just his diva group that he makes money off Fuck, of. you know what's fucking crazy the original halloween is like my favorite horror movie of all time that came out one year before this huh no sorry two huh. and you want to something also funny this movie came out the same year as greece Hmm. Which destroyed this movie. Oh god, yeah. Let's be <laughs> he honest. couldn't guess. Now, obviously, I think the people I think the people had still had like musical careers. Yeah. I think uh John Travolta did <laughs> Grease. He might have done Saturday Night Fever, but I think he was then in a slump for a minute. And the funny thing is till the nineties. What the funny thing is, this movie, Sgt. Peppers, was like made by the same like producer and company that made Saturday Night Fever. Hmm funny yeah so they finish playing and they get another telegram by a guy in a canoe it says hey good job on the music fuckers i'll see you in hollywood yeah hey come out to hollywood so then the narrator tells us how our heroes who have spoken no dialogue by the way well they're not going to because we know what the movie's (laughs) going to be like it's just going to be people singing beatles songs and then just like people acting so they're going away and uh it's it's showing us uh how billy and strawberry are super sad because they're gonna be away from each other yeah and then we literally cut away to them in the barn the next day where I guess it's a, where it's Strawberry and Billy. They're sleeping in the hay where I guess it's implied they totally boned you guys. Yeah, dude, they totally had sex, you dudes, my guys. So she tries to wake him up. but He's like, no, no, I'm not getting up. I don't want to get up. It's Frampton comes alive, not Frampton comes awake. Yeah. So to wake him up, she sings almost the entirety of Here Comes the Sun. And that's not even on that album. They did a lot of songs that aren't on that album. Yeah, at least half the at least half. Well, yeah, they did like almost half the album by like 20 minutes in. Yeah, so. So, I don't know. I guess it's okay. I really don't like some of the creative decisions they made with the song. They literally just spend half the song in the barn her trying to wake him up. And then they get out and drive. And I guess they're still in Heartland. They go to see the town expecting everybody. And then they... Then like, they hey, you guys actually did something about this town. You guys are going to go be cool stars. We're going to send you off our heroes of our town of Heartland. And then they get into a hot air balloon and leave. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was really that like, wasn't in Sgt. Pepper's oh, The Record. Okay. Tell me. All right. This is what I had. I was like, they head, they head off to Hollywood in an air balloon. Uh-huh. And I'm like, that shit sucks. <laughs> and then they're in a fucking private jet. What the fuck? Did okay, I? Here's what happened. Okay, please. I might have, I might have like poked my head off somewhere else because I was at work. So I might have caught myself doing something else for like a minute. And then I'm like, why are they in a fucking jet right now? I thought they were in a hot air balloon. I rewound this like five times. Here's what happens. They're in the sky. They're flying. We see a plane fly and it looks like it hits the balloon. And there's crashing and sound effects. But then and there's like a bright flash. like, But then after that, they're on the plane. So the plane was like, what uh, the fuck? So it's just like a video game where the plane just hit a check marker and then just picked <laughs> up the fucking bank, picked up the Sergeant Pepper band. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, the plane just had to touch the balloon and then they were so automatically in the so plane. My, yeah, so my description is accurate. They fly off. You look away for one second and then now they're in a plane. 
Like, yeah, like, there, and there was no actual explanation why they're in the plane. They were just flying, and then a plane crashed into them, and now they're in the plane. Going to Hollywood! <laughs> so, then, I'm like, okay, then. So, after, so after they, so yeah, that was confusing. And then they land, and then Donald Pleasance greets them in a limo at the airport. Yep. And then the like movie, every sleazy Hollywood record, bro. Come and then, the, and then the movie does, I believe, the worst version of "I Want You." She's so heavy. I've ever heard in my entire life. It's not enough that the music sucks. I really don't like how they did it. But well, the they scene, did it in a way that was also kind of fucking creepy. So here's the thing: it's Donald. It starts off with Donald singing. Now in the original song, it's "I Want You," "I Want You So Bad." But Donald Pleasant, he's going like, "I Want You." I want you so bad. I want you. Bro, these people aren't the fucking Beatles. I, I'm not expecting Dr. Loomis to be John Lennon, okay? <laughs> well, he, he, I'm expecting the movie to have better direction. If they want to if they want to honor the... No, no wait, I'm sorry. No. If they want to replace the Beatles, they got to do better than that. Well, yeah, no. It's like they could replace the Beatles or they could make Dr. Loomis sing a John, <laughs> sing like, try to sing a John Lennon song. So yeah, he's singing it to them, and okay, whatever. But then as they drive, then they drive through Hollywood, and I'm not gonna lie, seventies like, Hollywood looks a lot like today's Hollywood. Like, There's just brighter lights. Yeah, everyone's just like creeping on each other. I just know that the limo driver wanted the twink Frampton hard, <laughs> and then the manager wants the limo dri- like Dougie. The manager wants the limo driver. Yeah, and then we see bikers. Oh wait, wait, hold! It's Lucy and the Diamonds riding on the back of the bikes. They're like, you know, welcome them into town. I was like, fuck that. And they're in like Ho- yeah. And then they're cruising through Hollywood, and the Bee Gees mark out for some prostitutes. Yeah, small town boys going, hey, look at these sketchy women <laughs> with a possible disease. That's actually what STD. That's actually that's actually what I wrote here. I wrote here. Uh, I wrote here. Uh, the prostitutes make the Bee Gees in particular very happy. I'm like. Okay, BGs, you seen okay, well, they're playing the like part of like small town dudes. Maybe they're just reenacting when they got brought into Hollywood and saw prostitutes the for the first time. I'm just telling you, I'm pretty sure the BGs Okay, wait, is the BG okay, where the fuck are the BGs from? I feel like I thought they're, they were from like actually Australia or something. Like in or maybe that's in excess. They were European. Oh, I don't know about the BGs. You know what? I'm about to like uh look You gonna look them up? I'll okay. look it up. Here, you continue on. So, and then I'm Donald, sure your notes are better than mine. And then Donald, mine Ple- are more like jokes. <laughs> and and Donald, Ple- honestly, I feel like that's the vibe. I take the notes, you throw in the comments. It's a good vibe. So then they eventually get to Donald Pleasance's house, and then there's women in a pool that seduce the men. And then the sheep. And, well, that's Lucy and the Diamonds. Yeah, and then she's and we'll then seduce the men with my top diva act. Hell yeah. The the she's so heavy part of the song makes no sense, and it doesn't sound heavy. Now, I realize that's a weird sense because what you're telling me that the Bee Gees and Peter Frampton aren't as heavy as the Beatles. And yeah, no, they're not. The original Beatles song is like heavy during that part. As far as I'm concerned, it's the first real stoner metal song. Black Sabbath came out the next year in 1970. So then the music cuts. Hold to it. The- I just want to say this. Okay. The Bee Gees were a musical group formed in 1958. 1958? Yeah. I'm like. The trio were especially successful as a popular music act in the late 1960s and early 1970s. That's longer than Golden Earring. I know. No wonder the fucking dude's got a skullet going. (laughs) 
Fuck, they were old when they made those disco songs. They might be. Unless, or at least the Scarlet one well, was. Unless, unless this was like the Bee Gees were like a child act. It was like these children decided to be to have like an actual like I project. Those, I think those dudes were born in like the forties or something. So maybe. Well, well yeah. Fucking, they are, they look they look old for like you know disco. <laughs> So then the movie. Cuts. I totally fuck. Why was I looking at? Oh yeah, no. <sighs> to see where they're from. They're from yeah, Australia, right? Yeah, they're Australia. Okay. Wait, born in the mile. No, that's his parents. Was living in Manchester. Okay, I'm just gonna. I'm trying to look it up. I'm so sorry. Oh my so- god! Like the quick, like literally the quick introduction doesn't even tell me where the fuck they're from. But I, I'm seeing England. I'm seeing Australia. They usually, you know, intertwine with each other. I think, like, I think it's their parents. I'm having a hard time here. Australia. <laughs> We're just gonna say that the Bee Gees are from Australia. <laughs> I might have to go watch a documentary or something. They but apparently the same have a time, pretty good one. At the same time, I don't care enough to go watch a Bee Gees documentary. I just want to listen to some of their music and call it good. So then the movie cuts to the cast eating a very weirdly sexually charged dinner as some... um, Yes, it is a very sexually charged dinner. Because they're in Hollywood. It's about sex and making money. And sex. And some sex on top of that. The Bee Gees love this life of excess, but Peter's a good boy. No yeah. substances in women for this he guy. He's a small town boy. He has a sweetheart named Strawberry Fields. Yeah, exactly. They actually do one. They actually legit do one cool thing during all this. And this is like the only compliment I have for the movie. Donald walks around and has everyone sign on the dotted lines. Now, see, everyone's wearing like really colorful like shirts and stuff. 70s garb. Yeah. And if there's ever 70s garb, it's definitely in this movie. And it shows them from the front. And then the camera cuts to them signing the contract. You just see their hand. And then when they sign the contract and the camera cuts back to them, they are wearing um, a T-shirt for the record company yeah, that for they just BD's signed for. records. And honestly, I'm like... Wow, that's actually really neat. It's neat. It's showing them trading away their individual cells for corporate saminess. That's neat. It's the one compliment I have. It's like it's it's a cute, corny, silly thing. Yeah. And then they drug Peter Frampton. Yeah. Peter Frampton gets (sighs) date raped to sign a contract. And then I think he has sex with uh, Lucy. Yeah, he he they totally bone you guys on this on a spinning record player bed. Yep. You guys. So next morning, the band now has to get to... Um, They're pretty hungover. I, what the fuck is the sentence? So the next morning, the band now has to get to freedom. Hey, I just wrote down, friggin' Frampton gets roofied. Oh, shit. He signs the sketchy contract. Oh, while he's having sex, bro. <laughs> I'm going to make... I'm going to... Let's get naughty and then make you sign the contract in the middle of sexual intercourse. And then it's next morning. They're looking pretty hungover. And then they hop in the limo and then Dougie Cheers is already putting up flyers on flyers of them. And now they hit the recording studio and Sgt. Pepper is tracking. Good morning. Yeah. And then we start seeing records getting pressed. Yeah, we we see we see them doing uh, poster hustles. They're. Uh, they are printing the records and then we see them arrive at a record store to celebrate the release. Dude, of they, the- they arrived to Tower Records. Yeah. That's like a famous record store and in they, LA. And they get stormed by like 10 women. Yeah. I'm like, the Beatles, bro. There would have been so the Beatles. There would have been a thousand. Okay. There would have been a hundred. Bro, dude, they basically when they rolled up, it looked like a fucking Motley Crue signing in like 1999. <laughs> oh my God. You might... <laughs> 
1999. Yeah, so like no one was there. I was gonna say, wasn't that when Vince did, was Vince Neil or Tommy Lee at the at that point? Because there was a point when Vince left, but then Tommy came okay, back. Okay, let me phrase 1995. How about that? Okay, here we go. So it's, I think that's when way, Vince left. It's either way. It looks sad. Okay, not as sad as a Motley Crue signing in the mid 90s. Yeah, but like. It wasn't I'm like, Crew signing now would be I'm, a big I'm deal. saying it's you guys are trying to be the Beatles. Yeah. It should be kind of like a fucked oh my god, but I guess no one gave a fuck about the Bee Gees that hard to actually show up. And Peter Frampton. Oh yeah, there's the Frampton. I blame the Bee Gees. <laughs> and then we cut <laughs> And then we cut to them performing Nowhere Man. Now normally this is a rock song, like you know, not a hard rock song, but it's a loud fun rock song. But this version takes a Simon and Garfunkel approach, but they have that punchy disco bass. Because for some reason. The Bee Gees. And then nothing happens. Like literally nothing happens. Like literally, Besides them doing the song. It's a performance bit. Yeah, they do a song. Then we see a music video. The drums are totally off the audio. And then <laughs> yeah. we start seeing like, you know, their progression where, holy shit, they're becoming a huge act. There's a 30, like there is 37 nights straight sold out in this one club of them performing 39, 37 nights in a row. Yeah. And then it transitions to them playing Polythene Pam, which then transitioned to like on the Abbey Road's record. She came into the bathroom window and nothing happens. For a long time. Here's the thing. I'll tell you now. It's like we see now they're on BDTV, which I guess that record, the record label has their own TV. They have a Sgt. Pepper special. And then we start <sighs> seeing Miss Strawberry be sad that the Frampton's off being a superstar. Yeah. And then meanwhile, across town, Mr. Mustard is getting a massage by his fucking uh, sex robots. And then he orders. Then he gets orders from the fucking computer to steal the instruments. And then, you know, what he does. He just goes and steals the instruments. There wasn't much affair. <laughs> there wasn't much affair. He had a henchman with him that looked just like Nathan Barnett. Really? I thought he looked like Lurch from the fucking Adams Family. He looked like a derpy Jaws. Sure, derpy Jaws. The only thing that I can really, the only thing I can really think about that uh, we missed that I just thought was interesting, quote unquote, was there was actually another performance bit where they did the Sergeant Pepper's reprise, and they had bad versions of the Sergeant Pepper's coats, like literally Bret Hart's Sergeant Pepper's coat looked better, and then uh, and then yeah, Strawberry Fields when she's being sad, they're playing. Um, uh, I believe they're playing the yeah, they're playing the Long and Windy Road, which is off Let It Be. Their last album. And then she had in her room, she has like a shrine for Billy. There's like pictures and posters of him and the band all over her room. Do you notice that? Oh, uh, well, I did. And I'm like, well, hopefully uh, Billy Shears gave her that. If not, she's kind of a clingy uh, girlfriend. So then, yes. Not going to lie. So Mustard seals the seals the instruments as he sings a version of me mr mustard the, the this song this He's, version of the okay, song sounds I like they're trying to rip dude, off pink floyd i can't tolerate mr mustard if when he started singing i'm like dude fuck this guy i don't want him on this damn screen mean mr mustard no wait, no yeah no he did have same parts because the part is like he's a dirty old man dirty old man such a dirty old man oh such a dirty man that's how he talked. And dude, I'm like, I can't, bro. This is like, this is 270s camp for me. I and can't we, handle it. And then we cut to, uh, then we see, I think it's the same songs playing. We're still with Mustard. Oh, we, God, yeah. we cut to an arcade as women dance sexually aggressive on the machines. And then Mustard and his homies seem to buy hookers and cars. What the fuck is going on? Well, I can tell you what happened. After he steals the instruments, he then turned the town of Heartland into Portland, Oregon. It's a total fucking shithole or cheap Vegas. But either way, 
We can just call it Portland, Oregon, because we're seeing all these punks. We're seeing all these, gutter, all, these, all these gutter punks. We're seeing some punks. We're seeing all these hipster-looking fucks. And Heartland, anyway. It's basically Portland. Let's just be real. So Heartland get. I, I wrote here, Heartland, Heartland gets trashed, but I guess Heartland just got turned into Portland, you guys. Yeah, no, Heartland gets gentrified and is basically turned into Portland. <laughs> Next morning, Strawberry Fields leaves home as the robot women sing a bad version of She's Leaving Home. Oh, God. I've I've got nothing to say about this sequence. Like, literally, the parents wake up, find the note. The robot women try to wake up Mr. Mustard. Like, they spy on some lady. I I was guessing it was Miss Strawberry, and it was Miss Strawberry. It was, yeah. They basically monitor as she, like, you know, bounces out of town because she's like, all right, I'm going to go find the Frampton and help, you know, turn Heartland back into not Portland. Yeah. Can we have, like, Heartland, not Portland? Did I get you lost? No, 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 no. I just got an interesting notification from Reddit. On Talk is Jericho, Goldberg and Jericho apologized to each other for their backstage fight in 2003. Goldberg will literally make amends with anybody that is not Bret Hart. Anyway, so Strawberry gets to Hollywood and she stares really intense like this. Yeah, she goes into Hollywood and then she sees a billboard of Lucy and the Diamonds and then we see Lucy and the Diamonds performing and then Sergeant Pepper starts performing. Yeah, their posters just come alive see, on the roof. Yeah, and you just got Lucy just all lusting over the over the Frampton and then you just see Strawberry with her best acting going, okay, whatever. So the story is of this song is the women progressively taking off more clothes and the men getting horny. The boys eventually come over and start touching the women and then and then, oh, turns out it was actually a dream sequence. It was an imagined spot. The bus was yeah, just chilling there the entire time during the song. Because fuck you, that's why. Yeah, because Strawberry rolled into the fucking uh, turd-smelling town of that's Hollywood and most likely coming from the clean town of we live in Lo- We live in California. We get to say that. Yeah, yeah it's a fucking, it, it's fucking nasty. So she most likely smells some homeless man's fucking, like freaking huff bag and now she got high and watched lucy and the diamonds freaking they were singing the that Frampton. song by the way they were singing lucy in the sky with diamonds yeah and then we cut to sergeant pep and the boys covering oh darling this version sucks too because oh darling is paul mccartney's big bombastic tribute to little richard one of his biggest influences here they make it a slow tender love song hey blame the Bee Gees. <sighs> I might blame the beat. Start blaming the beat. Well, wasn't isn't like the fucker that was like saying like, oh dude. The Actually, ki- the one on the piano, he was the one that was like, oh dude, it's gonna be like the Beatles never existed. He was the one on the piano singing this. I one. hope that common cursed him for the rest of his life. Well, two of the Bee Gees have passed away, and I think it was, and I think they got six. So, I guess, I guess, I guess John and George retroactively were like, oh, we're not having any of that, and just cursed them. Yeah, I know. The Beatles is like, we're going to live forever. Fuck you guys. <laughs> the Bee Gees uh, who? Yeah, the Bee Gees who? Yeah, you're going to get like one guy. Like You're going to get Dave Grohl that's going to start a Bee Gees cover band. There you go. Oh, my God. <laughs> I like how his shitty heavy metal song was better than actually most new heavy metal songs these days. I know. So, somehow, Strawberry sneaks into the studio, and she gets Billy's... Snake? I thought she just straight up appeared. Well, she walked in. She straight up just walked in and Look goes out. Like, she came in through the studio doorway. Yeah, she just walked in. She goes, hey, Frampton, I need to talk to you. <laughs> Damn it, you laughed. <laughs> no, the thing is like... <laughs> Okay, it's funny because we made eye contact and I was in a serious tone going, hey, Frampton, I need to talk to you. It's, you know what it's like? It's the same air as, your son's been infected with a deadly virus. 
<laughs> hey, Fran, did I need to talk to you? So, like, yeah. Hey, Fran, did this Monty Python reject just jacked your instruments? Yeah, so uh, we just lost these uh, mystical instruments, and then our town has been turned into Portland. Can you guys return and, like, you know, uh, solve Frampton, this issue? Pierre Frampton, please save Heartland from Portland, Oregon. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, fuck, where was I? Oh, yeah, so... They so then they just they I don't I think they like either the, the, get to Heartland or like the Sergeant Pepper band just starts like bouncing out. Also, like during this sequence, obviously Mr. Muster got word that Strawberry uh, escaped town and was it? I thought it was either he's he like realized oh she's like gonna put a foil on our plans. Or is he just being a creep going, oh, Miss Strawberry, uh, why, hello. Uh, ooh, uh, I'm going to be honest. I don't remember. I was, uh, I, I'm going to do my explanation because it's less fucking creepy. Okay. He's going like, oh, I think she might uh, foil our plan, so I'm going to follow her. And then he also arrived at BD Records, but then uh, Sergeant Pepper and Strawberry all roll out. And then they go steal fucking the automated fucking super van. Yeah, they jack the van. Dude, they jack Mean Mustard. I mean, Mean Mr. Mustard's van. And you they guys. go. They go to retrieve the instruments. Now, the whole gimmick here is, is that all the each of the instruments were delivered off to a quirky person, basically. They, they some fucking weird person. And they find out, and they're going to visit Doctor Maxwell, as in Maxwell Silver Hammer. Which is just like the song. You guys. <laughs> so yeah, played by Steve Martin. So Steve this motherfucker has not aged since the late 70s. Has he always had gray or white hair? I think he always ha- has this always had This is 1979. Bro. I think he did in, what's that movie he did? Three, Three Amigos? I think he had white hair there. Yeah. And for the record, if any of you guys are a movie or theater uh, buffs, his, his Steve Martin, he does the song Maxwell Silver Hammer. It sounds, he's basically just doing his little pet shop of horror shtick. It's like just like that. But again, it's another thing where he's not like singing, singing, which is weird because he has theater experience. He's going like, Joan was quizzical, studied apophysical. It's it's really weird. I can't. This song is actually one of the highlights of the film for Dude. people. What? In what sense? I hated this fucking scene. I didn't like it Because it just went on for fucking ever. Yeah. And there was a point where I was like, now you're just getting weird visual effects. It's a trip. Yeah, let me skip down my notes here. Bro, he 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 has like weird lightning powers and he's transforming people into summer camp counselors. Yeah, no, he's like turning them into fucking like troop scouts or whatever the fuck. I was going to ask you what your interpretation of this scene was. And then out of nowhere, he starts howling like King Diamond. Yeah, he just starts howling like King Diamond. I need to figure out where I'm at. Yeah. So, but yeah, this is supposedly a highlight. I don't know if it's just for the novelty but, that it's Steve Martin. Well, either way, he has a fucking magical hammer. And then there's a point where do the Frampton, the Frampton and Steve Martin are just in a fucking lightsaber duel with these fucking magic hammers. Like literally Steve Martin became the fucking emperor right, right here. He's like shooting lightning out of his hands or out of these hammers. And also the Bee Gees got in a Kung Fu fight with these nurses and fucking lost. Yeah, they got the Bee Gees got their asses kicked by nurses. Yeah, and like Miss Strawberry was able to jack the trumpet and yeah. then she hit under a desk and literally Sergeant Pepper, the whole band gets their ass, gets their ass handed. I just and want then Steve Martin for- bounces out. And then he's gone for the rest of the movie. Yeah, he's just I, gone. But hey, they got the instrument back, so I'm like I just saw Pierre Fran to get his ass kicked by Steve Martin. The fucking emperor with his fucking <laughs> lightning hands. God. See, now the movie got weird. 
Oh well, the next part was just like, okay, where so the they find, fuck were we so going? So they find here? out that the tuba was taken to a school crossing guard who brainwashes children yeah, into being we, his army because he was bullied as a child. Played by Alice Cooper. What the fuck with with us? Okay, with Alice Cooper, I thought this was like, wait, is this Frank Zappa? And then I start, <laughs> I started hearing. I thought that too. That mustache, dude. He had a Frank Zappa mustache. But then he started singing, doing the the creepy, shitty Alice Cooper voice, and I'm like, okay, that's Alice fucking Cooper. <laughs> And then he's having a weird scene, but he's trying to hypnotize people. Yeah, so I'm like, that he's, place, that's a, a little bit more appropriate. Yeah. We just had this weird musical number of rotating people with Steve Martin, and then he ended up having fucking, fucking Sith Lord powers. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying, it's like, that was a weird The movie one. decided to be a uh, quirky, quirky, vague, thinly veiled, uh, pride friendly uh, Broadway for a minute for a minute yeah and it's really weird because he's on the tv singing but he's also there in real life too oh, wait are we talking about alice cooper about alice cooper yeah so he does the song he does the song because now have you guys heard this song this is one of the beatles more beautiful songs because all three so john paul and george each sing on it but all three of them each did set three separate vocal tracks for it to create these crazy harmonies be ah because the world is round you know but alice cooper gets on he goes because the world is round wow you sound like turns me on i think you sound like you're about to all right i'm about to fight whoever fucking made this movie or i'm about to fight (laughs) alice cooper's old ass for fucking butchering a damn song remember when we reviewed um no the, use your illusion one and he was on that one guns and roses song and that saved the song for being mad because it came like a song or two after november rain this is another highlight of the movie for some people and i love alice cooper i didn't love this okay i got a piss bad and you saying a stupid <laughs> comment like this was a highlight of the movie i'm just gonna say this was a highlight for some people the sergeant pepper peeps they're a protagonist we're watching people getting hypnotized alice cooper's just flicking sitting in the chair Basically, me at work trying to avoid doing any like ounce of work and get paid. Yeah. Oh, don't tell that to Dylan. Oh, yeah. I know. Fucking Dylan's like, if you have time to lean. Corporate uh, capitalist commando. Oh, if you have time to lean, you have time to clean. Wait, how <laughs> dare you uh, actually uh, take your spare time at work to actually uh, set up a side hustle? How dare you do that? How that dare you go to the me. bathroom? How dare you go to the bathroom on company time? So, yeah, so then whoever they- made that <laughs> saying that they make a dollar, I make a dime. That's why I poop on company time. They should be punished. They should be shot. They by should big be, brother. They should be going to jail. So yeah, they get the issue. They should be back, put in the labor. And then someone throw. I think Peter Frampton or one of the BGs. I think it was Peter Frampton. He throws a. They he hits uh, Alice Cooper with a pie. So yeah, there we go. You're solo, my dude. You're on your own. You're going to have to be nice and slick. So, oh, yeah. So then there's a part. Oh, you're about to miss my least favorite part of the movie. Oh, yeah? So they what break. What part was that? So they break the equipment, and, like, Peter Frampton gets electrocuted and almost dies. And. Yeah, the Framptons. <laughs> straight, Jesus. Yeah, the, Fra- yeah. the Framptons are straight dead. Okay, not really, <laughs> Whatever they get the tuba, so he's unconscious. And Strawberry Fields again, as in the song Strawberry Fields, sings Strawberry Fields the song, as in Strawberry Fields the song. And she's cradling him and she's crying. There's absolutely no reason for this song to be here. And the whole choreography this is the choreography they're on the 
uh, floor of the van and she's holding and cradling him and she's singing this song with strawberry fields. I'm not going to try to dissect the song intellectually, but like this song does not pertain to the mood, which is another criticism I have with this movie. None, almost none of the songs feel like they thematically match up with the shit that are backdropped against, but yeah. And then she's singing, she's holding him. And then eventually he wakes up and then they hug and they hug and they hug. And then the song ends for like two minutes. The shit felt like it lasted 10. It went on forever. Stupid. So then, oh, hey, what's up? So then... So then after that stupid scene, then one of the BG guys gets mad or whatever and kicks the computer so it breaks. I'm like, okay, fine, fuck you, whatever. So there, so then their shows are getting canceled for some reason, and Donald Pleasance is getting pissed. But Billy Shears, aka Peter Frampton, goes up to me. He's like, "Oh, I got an idea." Bro, their shows are getting canceled because they're not fucking performing. Yeah, are you gonna go to a show? Are you gonna go to the Sergeant Pepper in the Heartland Club Band show? Sorry, I'm always gonna butcher that. Name. Are you gonna go to the Sergeant Pepper show? But the Sergeant Pepper is not available to play. So of course they're gonna get canceled, and of course the guy's gonna get pissed because that's how he's making money off these dudes covering the Beatles. Yeah. And then, uh, but but uh, Peter Frantic gets an idea. Oh, no, dear. Let's throw on a benefit show. And I was like, okay, my guy. I see you're struggling financially. You're, you're losing whatever little hair you don't have. So, hey, you know, let's do a benefit show in Heartland and try to make it not look like Portland. They bring a big ass circus to town. And they sing for the yeah, benefit. Yeah, they literally just like, we went from like, oh, Frampton's like kind of just dead. And then the strawberry is like, you know, singing a bit banger Beatles song that brings the Frampton back to life. And then after the Bee Gees fucked up a computer because they don't know how to work technology. No, she sang Strawberry Fields and literally they just lied on the floor and hugged for like four minutes. I don't fucking care. Hug- hey, hugging's awesome. But either way, we get a parade. I'm going to kick your ass. I swear to God. So then, yeah, they sing Beam for the Benefit of Mr. Kite. This version's okay. It's yeah, not offensive. Mr. Hey, hey, Mr. Kite's cool. He's yeah. A, he's our narrator. He's been a cool dude. After this bit, I'll Donald- I'll fight you if you diss on Mr. Kite. <laughs> After this bit, Donald Plesson sneaks into the van while the cringe brother sneaks off with a hot babe. I think it's Lucy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, <clears throat> dude, it's literally, yeah, Dougie and Lucy were- because here's the thing, we had a fucking number, hold it, let me catch up. Sorry, listeners, we're going to do a quick little rewind. Because later in the <laughs> evening, we see uh, people are having popcorn, we see uh, carnival-style affairs, and then we see Lucy and Dougie Shears sneak off, and they find BD's cash in the makeshift office, in the mayor's office, and Lucy starts singing, because she gets horny over car, hard, cold, cash. She they gets sing. horny over hard cold cat. Ah! <laughs> Sorry, she gets horny over hard cold cash, and then uh, we also see Dougie or Doogie get is a pretty. A- Sorry, I'm listening. I'm like looking at my notes. Sorry, this is why the flow is all fucked up. Rewind, Lucy. She's horny over some car hard cold cash. 
And then Dougie Shear starts singing, and we now know why the Frampton is sing- is the singer of uh, the Sgt. Pepper Band, and not Dougie, because yeah. Dougie's voice sucks. They sing, you never give me your money, and yeah, this segment sucks. They basically they're, are stealing BD's cash. They're just, they're rolling all over each other and hugging, and, and then at one point, he leaves the room and randomly goes to retrieve a wheelbarrow. Hey, dude, they, got, they have to carry all that cash one way or another. By the way, it's cold, hard cash. Hard, cold cat. It's cold, hard cast. Ah! I wasted so much audio time. All right, just go, please. I, I need a, I need a break. Okay, so I should. Okay, so I should point out, Billy Shear in the narrator mentioned that Billy's idea was they're gonna bring in other musicians, right? Okay. They just straight up, the announcer comes on and now introducing Earth, Wind, and Fire. And we get Earth, Wind, like, and Fire. I, it's, it's earth wind and fire yeah earth wind and fire shows up and they do a performance of got to get you into my life this is another highlight of the movie for some people except this was awesome yeah well this is was all because it's earth wind and fire yeah they've, it was great at one point me mr mustard shows up and steals his bus back or he would have but he sees strawberry and he goes ooh boobies so then, <laughs> oh, so then he has his crony homie boobs. steal strawberry so they realize she's gone as Earth, Wind, and Fire is playing, and they give chase. And by give chase, I mean they go to their hot air balloon. Yes. And then they and get like it Earth going. Went, yeah, Earth, Wind, and Fire were still jamming. So obviously, yeah, Sergeant Pepper hop in the air balloon to chase down a van. Yeah, they're going to chase a car in a hot air balloon. And you know what's funny? They didn't even shoot new footage for this. They just showed the footage of them leaving the first time, but they shot it in reverse. Okay, then. They just played it in reverse. All right, then. So, Cringe Brother and Lucy stowed away on the van, and Mr. Yeah, Mus- yeah because they, like, <laughs> hide in the van, because they were going to, like, steal that and the cold, hard cash. There you go. I got it! So, <gasps> so then Mr. Mustard sings a very creepy rendition of When I'm 64. Yeah. You will look- you still need me? Will you still feed me when I'm 64? Well, you still look like you're pretty 64, my guy. I just wrote, and then I wrote here. This is where I wrote. This movie won't fucking end. Oh, my God. Yeah, no. It was just fucking just, oh. So they, just, get, uh. so they get to the evil base, and okay, this is something I've omitted. The whole time, the evil mastermind on Mustard's computer screen has been FVB, and they're the ones wanting the instruments stolen and have been giving orders to Mustard. Well, Pep and the Boys land, right? And Let's draw Pep and the Boys. As come together by Aerosmith plays. Now, I knew this is where the cover came from, but as the narrator reveals, FVB stands for Future Villain Band. Yeah, so our fucking villain band that's been like you know communicating to Mean Mister uh, Mean Mister Mustard is Bad Boy Hard Rock Group Aerosmith. This is a quote from the narrator: <clears throat> "The future villain band. They're going to turn the youth into mindless into a mindless army and uproot the democratic process." Aerosmith. Aerosmith. Aerosmith is going to uproot our democracy, James. While playing it while playing the with number. With their loud rock and roll music. While playing the number. Come together. Right now. now. Over me. Okay, so long story short, Aerosmith was the bad guy the whole time, you guys. That's kinda and you know what? Here's the thing. Lucky hilarious. I want to ask you something. Could you imagine? No, but go for could it. Could you imagine how much better this movie sounds 
if you explain to someone oh hey what's sergeant peppers the movie and you're like oh that's the movie where peter frampton and the Bee Gees, aided by donald plessence have to fight aerosmith that sounds awesome this movie does not deliver on that hype I would just if you ask me, that's like if you ask me. I'm like that movie sounds weird. That movie sounds rad. No, it doesn't. Yes, it does. It does. This but, movie's not rad. No, this movie's not rad. I'm saying if someone told you, bro, I've got this movie right here. Pierre Franton and the Bee Gees fight Aerosmith. That doesn't sound rad to you. That sounds weird. <laughs> is that is that less weird than Kiss Save Santa? Kiss Save Santa doesn't exist. Oh wait, that's right. I always forget about but that. But there's Kiss, there's Kiss in the fucking Phantom of the like fucking amusement park or some shit. That's right. Yeah, that's a movie we should consider one day. So yeah, this cover, I can concede it's good. It might be the best cover in the whole movie, barring uh, Earth, Wind, and Fire. But I've heard this song on the radio more than I've heard some Aerosmith songs on the radio. <laughs> You're not wrong. You're fucking not wrong. The video footage they shoot for this is kind of great. Like they're performing, their hair is flowing in the wind because Aerosmith has wind machines. Yeah, they have wind machines. They have hair. Steven Tyler's mouth they is don't fucking look, huge. They don't look too fucked from drugs, but also yeah. we see Aerosmith these days and they're, you know, fucking old. They look like people have to staple their skin flaps together. Like, here's the thing. We also remember when, like, they, how they looked in, like, Decline of Western Civilization Part 2. And, like, wow, they look really young here. Yeah. And then they were really young here, too. The 90s was not kind to them. No. When they released, uh, what was that song? Crying or Pink? Yeah. So. Or whatever the fucking music video where I think, like, I don't know, it's like Steven Tyler's daughters just rolling around. And it's that's like, right. ah, I'm in a hot relationship with my best girl right here. Mm-hmm. Sorry, boys. So Pep and the boys finally show up, and Peter Frampton and Steven Tyler have a fight and try to kill each other. Yeah. They have a bad fight. They have a worse fight than the fucking Emperor Steve Martin. <laughs> they're literally having a fight. And Strawberry Fields is tied up to something, but as they're fighting, she pushes Steven Tyler over, who falls off the ledge and dies. Yeah, dude. He's just like, all right. And they, <laughs> literally, it's just like, they're fighting. Oh, they look over. Steven Tyler's is dead. He still has his mic stand with his fucking scarves on it, though. Yeah, he took the mic stand with him. Yeah, it's like, no, it's like, that can't leave my hands. If I'm going to die, I'm going to die with this in hand. And then Strawberry falls and dies. Yeah, yeah, Strawberry's in this fucking weird, like, torture contraption. But, like, they fucking, while the Frampton and Steven Tyler were having a fucking, having their sick brawl, or, like, I don't know. The Bee Gees and Frampton versus fucking Aerosmith having a fat brawl on top of this fucking staircase, fucking podium, whatever evil lair is set up. So you're telling me Peter Frampton with aid can beat Steven Tyler, but he can't beat Steve Martin? Oh. And and he can beat Alice Cooper? Hey, when was the fucking Emperor had lightning powers? One's just fucking Steven Tyler with his big ass mouth. He's got such a big mouth. His mouth looks like it's the size of your Tom. Yeah, for fucking reals. But either way... Miss Strawberry gets fucking knocked over. Yeah. And then she falls to her fucking death. You're like, she's she's dead. Like, I could tell what the fucking acting the Frampton and the Bee Gees were like. Well, yeah, because they're literally portraying a scene. Oh, my God. Our good friend Strawberry Fields has died. They literally look like, hey, okay there, bud. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not joking. That was literally their facial expressions. Oh, hey, damn. It's like, oh, is she okay? 
No, there was like, oh, come on! If you watch the footage back closely, they have a dummy tied to the thing when it falls. You see the dummy like fall down with that thing and like hit its head on the stairs. It looks like a pretty brutal fall. You okay, Strawberry? <laughs> Just sitting there, like, you doing good? Hey, are you? Hey, okay there, bud. You Gucci fam. Hey, uh, you look like you slipped and fall. Uh, You're you not okay? looking pretty steep right there, bro. Yeah, yeah, dude. Literally, that was it. It wasn't like, oh my god. Oh my god, she's dead! No! No, it was like, oh damn, bud. Damn, bud. Oh yeah, hey, uh, hey you go lay on the couch. Uh, relax that right there. You, know what? you take off the shoes. Yeah. Loosen the belt. <laughs> yeah, that's little. <laughs> Maybe the Frampton had a little bit more expression. Oh, you but would the hope. B- you know, but the Bee Gees do. No, they were just like, oh damn, bud. The Bee Gees look like look like they ordered a steak. Uh, they ordered a steak and they cut it, and they're like, this isn't medium rare. Yeah. But either way, continue. So on. we cut. We literally cut to our fucking funeral, you guys. Because I was close to like, wait, is Miss, wait, is Strawberry dead? And then we're at a funeral where Strawberry's dead. I'm like, oh, solve that mystery. As they sing "Golden Slumbers" and to carry that weight. Also, they have Strawberry in a glass casket, like open cat, not open, but glass casket. You can see through, like she's Snow White. They carry the casket to the carriage, yeah, the horse-drawn carriage, and take it to the cemetery. I'm like, well, this is a bummer way to end the movie. Mm-hmm. Except there's 20 minutes left. And you're like, dude, what the fuck? And Billy's walking down a long dirt road mm-hmm. where they reprise Long and Windy Road like it's the end of um, Lou Ferrigno's Hulk. Oh, yeah. Also, fucking Not Lurch, Not Jaws was also at the funeral, too. I think he violated oh. Miss Strawberry. Okay. Yeah, but not mean Mr. Mustard. He wasn't there. Okay. Yeah. It was too painful, but, I guess. I guess so. So Peter walks and walks and walks until he gets to, I think, her house. Yes, it's her house. And it look and he looks at a picture of them, but then we cut to the Bee Gees. Hey, we also I don't know if you mentioned this. There's also what a narration piece at some point around that at this part, where it was like the instruments are back safe for Heartland. Oh yeah, right. But at what cost? Yeah, the instruments were back safe in Heartland. Hey, the instruments were hey, the instruments were safe back in Heartland. But it, well, that almost cost. sounds like your Stu Hart voice. <laughs> Yeah, sure. Stu Hart's our narrator. Hell <laughs> yeah. You see, Strawberry died because she didn't learn any discipline. Uh, Strawberry died because she didn't so learn any So then the Bee Gees begin singing a sad version of A Day in the Life. Here, let me mention, they're in funeral garb, quote yeah. unquote funeral garb. It's literally 70s club, glo- 70s clubbing, clubbing attire. Yeah. Just in black. They literally look like they're about to go bust a move. Like, literally, they got the fucking, like, giant, like, the giant fucking collars. Mm-hmm. They're buttoned down. The platform shoes. But in black. But black. Because it's a funeral. And they're sad. They looked fab. They look like they got a still club after, though. So then the song. So through the song, um, what's his name? One of the Bee Gees, he, like, he, like. Flashbacks, flashbacks to when they were famous. I think. Yeah, I thought he just flashback. I was like, I was like, he was just singing it. They're in an abandoned house, but I'm like, oh shit, they're back in Hollywood. And then Peter, but Fram- then never mind, they're back. Never mind, it was just a flashback. And then Peter Frampton, as the music, you know, the iconic part of the song where the music swells up and it's getting, it's building up, building song, up, building up. What song is being performed? I don't know. If day you in the li- yeah, yeah, day in the life. It's the iconic part near the, well, they do it in the middle, but it's the end part where the orchestra's building up and up and up. And Billy, he's really sad. So he's like, yeah, the Frampton I, I don't want to live anymore. I'm going to, I'm going to jump off this window and commit suicide. All right. And, bye now. No more Miss Strawberry. What about the living? And then. Oh, dude. So throughout the movie, 
There's been one of the, you know, those spinning things on top of some houses that yeah. like, it like tells you where it's direction the wind is blowing. There's been one through the whole movie that the camera focuses in on now and then when they do like a returning shot to Heartland. Yeah. It comes alive. Yeah. It randomly turns into a man. Yeah. In fact, specifically, it turns into Billy Preston, who has magic powers. Billy Preston, who is uh, playing the part of uh, Sergeant Pepper. He yeah. appears and he saves the Frampton from uh, falling to his death. He brings Strawberry back to life. Well, no, he also does Transformative Magic, where I was sitting there. He, he was doing Transformative Magic, where he turns Lucy and Dougie into a nun and a priest. Yeah. He also then finds Mean Mr. Must, mean Mr. Mustard and Not Lurch, Not Jaws. He turns them into... A nun and a priest. Yeah. And turns his fucking big old bust into a VW Beetle, bro. Like the band. And then I just I wrote guess. down like, uh, so Sergeant Pepper has witchcraft powers. Uh, that's not so too Christian. get back, by the way. What? I'm like, that's not too Christian. <laughs> but then I guess he's got, I guess his magical powers are better than the fucking genie from fucking Aladdin. Yeah. Because he can't bring back the dead, but Sergeant Pepper can. I'm like, oh. Yeah. Oh my, oh, Strawberry's back. Yeah, she's back. He just brings her back. And he stops the bad guys and 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 every and he he comes out of nowhere and saves the day. What the fuck? Okay then. And then we see the super cameo of uh all these people trying to re- recreate the album cover of uh Search of Pepper. Yeah, well they sing the song and they're basically saying like, like dude, it's a fucking super cameo. Like I can't reckon I don't well, I don't know everyone that was there, but there was a lot of people there. I think Johnny Winters was there too. Is him or Edgar Winters? One of those albino fucking fuckers. Edgar Winter is the musician. He's the one that's like, come on and take a free ride in the Frankenstein song. Yeah. But wait, who's all but doesn't Johnny Winters also play too? Well, either way, it could have been did. it could have been Edgar Winters, the fucking Scientologist. Let me see here, because I'm trying to look up Oh my uh, god. Here we go. So from what I could tell at the end, we seemed to have um Gary Wright, Bobby Womack, Wolfman Jack, Johnny Winter, Hank Williams Jr., Mark. I, I knew it was Johnny Winter. Jackie Lomax, Lenny White, it. Lenny White, Alan White, Grover Washington Jr., Diane Vincent, Gwen Verdon, Frankie Valley, who ironically did the theme song to Grease, which was kicking this movie's ass. Oh, yeah. Tina Turner, John Stewart, who I forget's been around forever, Al Stewart, Connie Stevens, Joe Simon, Del Shannon, Shaw Na Na, Seals and Croft, Daniel Rowe, Monte Rock the Third, Johnny Rivers, Chita Rivera, Minnie Ripperton, Helen Riddy, Bonnie Raitt, Anita Pointer, Wilson Pickett, Robert Palmer, who's a uh, You've heard on the radio. The Paley Brothers, Lee Oscar, Alan O'Day, Peter Nunn, Bruce Morrow, a.k.a. Cousin Brucey, Curtis Mayfield, John Mayall, Nils Lofgren, Mark Lindsay, Mark Levy, Macy Levy, Joe Lebb, DC LaRue, Joe Lala, Bruce Johnson, Etta James. I have a question because I ordered some food and I would like to get going to getting that. How much more names do we have? Oh, fuck. There's like... I'll just stop there. The only other notable one to me is uh, Donovan and Rick Derringer. Thank you. Rick Derringer. <laughs> yeah, Rick Derringer. Oh, my God. Rick Derringer. What the fuck? And then, yeah, the movie's over. Thank Rock God. Oh, 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 oh. And then, obviously, there's Real American, too. But, yeah, movie's I am over. Real- yeah, this movie sucks. It might be so bad. It's okay, good. it's not the worst movie. It's not the worst. It's not the worst movie we've watched separately or for the show. Yeah, no. The worst would, movie we watched for this show is still Cast the Black Sunshine. Now, obviously, what does this movie rate compared to Barbed Wire? Oh yeah, that's your worst movie for this show, huh? Well, no, fucking Cast the Black oh, it Sunshine. Oh, is Cast Sunshine. Okay. Oh no, I was so furious to like watch that movie. It's like I'm so mad. 
You know what? This could be a low. Which had lurch, ironically. Mm, I don't know. And you know what? Do you think I'm, it's better than barbed wire or worse? I'll, I want you to go first. They're kind of on the same level. Yeah. I'm like, would I really want to watch barbed wire? Well, here's the thing. I feel like. I'll say this. I this have movie- a less. I would rather. I less want to watch this Sgt. Pepper than barbed wire. Like, if I had to you choose. You would watch barbed wire before that. Yes. If I had to be a gun in my head and it's like, I right, would you rather choose. I'm like, you know what? Hard decision. I'd rather pick up barbed wire again. I might Maybe. pick barbed wire. It depends. Yeah, I'm going to pick barbed wire. I'm okay. like, dude, I can't handle just a straight musical. So if we're talking our bottom three worst movies, oh, yeah. Sunshine, then this, then barbed wire. Well, we also watched Samurai Cop, but Samurai Cop's actually That movie's amazing. That, okay, that movie is pretty entertaining. Because technically, that should be a, that should be above Black Sunshine uh, at just oh there. totally all right. So discussion because I do want to get my food at some point. So what do we want to watch next time? Okay, you and me. I actually had an thought idea. as an introduction. Well, yeah. here you go. Well, before this, I actually thought about it um, like over the week, and I thought to myself, "You ever seen the Street Fighter movie with Van Damme? I have not watched. Which the Street apparently Fighter. horrible. Oh yeah, yeah. That was my idea. It was like, my idea was the right now, I'm like, you know, I'll be down to continue Beetlethon, watch fucking yesterday or something like that. Ooh. You haven't watched it. Nuh-uh. And you've never watched Across the Universe, have you? No. But here's the thing. That's going to be our episode before the fucking hundredth episode. That's right. In episode 99, we had an idea. We had an idea, but I'm like... I'd rather watch something related to the Beatles, not going to lie. Oh, really? Because, <laughs> dude, next episode is 99. Oh, shit, you're right. Yeah. Well, how do you want to spend 99? Do you want to spend it on a good note before we had to do the fucking marathon that is going to be uh, episode 100? We could. All right, so, uh, so what do you want? Do you want to watch uh, Van Damme? Or do you want to watch <sighs> Yesterday? Or do you want to watch the other Beatles musical? I'm, I, I, I'd be down to do one of the Beatles musicals. I know you got to get going, but I'd be down to do the Beatles. Mm. Were we going to review that album next week? Uh, What album? Uh, no, because we're talking about Kiss Alive. Oh, that's right. Okay. Yeah, so we're going to review Kiss Alive, and then we're going to pick uh, something Beatles related. Yeah. So yeah, Tune you, in. Tune in next time. All right, listeners. This was the Triple D Radio Show with their hosts, James and Edward. I hope you all have a good one. Adios. Adios.